that he's coming back, would you give him praise? If you're glad today that the grave couldn't hold him, give him praise. If you're glad today that he breathed again on the third day, give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you let this choir, this worship ministry, Pastor Tony, know you appreciate them today leading us into the presence of the Lord. I want you to reach for your Bibles today, please, and I want you to stand with me this morning, if you don't mind. Thank the Lord today. I'm telling you, I sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in here today. Come on, Pastor. I'm telling you. Bless Him, Lord. We're living in such a time, I believe, because the Lord is coming back so quickly that would which should normally take weeks and months and years it's going to take a matter of time because the Lord's coming so fast I believe we're living in an accelerated season of time God's at work quickly brother Turpin and what God's doing God's doing quickly I believe there's such a move of God happening in the earth today it's happening suddenly because the Lord's coming back quickly obey you, but I'm thankful. He knows I was sitting on the pew this morning, like getting ready to walk up here, just listening to this, the music and hearing the celebration and feeling. Now listen, I know you can't go on a feeling, right? We live by faith. But the feeling of the presence of God, it just, and now this is, I'm, I'm not giving, taking credit for anything, but it's, it's just amazing to think that nine months ago, we were a fragmented, broken mess. I'm telling you, in just a matter of time, the Holy Spirit has done such a mending and a healing in this place. I feel like God is reviving the church and God is raising us up again to be what He's called us to be in this community. Come on, if you're glad about that. If you're glad God's raising the church. If you're glad God's raising Pulaski, Church of God, up to be a light. Come on and praise the Lord if you're glad about the work of the Holy Spirit today. Hallelujah. glad I came to be your pastor. I would have missed out on seeing what God is doing. All credit and glory goes to you, to the Lord, and to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. All right, let's go to Malachi chapter 3, please, this morning. It'll be the, the final book before you get to the New Testament. I'm going to walk back here and close this door, Pastor Tony. I got it. I see it out of my peripheral, and it wears me out, so let me close it. Whoever's last out of the choir, close the door on your way out. <laughs> I got a little mean streak on me today. I need to be careful. <clears throat> I need to be careful. Malachi chapter 3, if you were here last week, I started a series entitled Give Up. And I'm going to be talking this week and again next week. Are you ready for it? Take a deep breath. I'm going to be talking about money. I'm going to be talking about finances. I'm going to be talking about generosity. I'm going to be talking about stewardship and giving and tithing. So if you were here last week, I laid the foundation. I prepared the groundwork for us because Jesus talked so much in Scripture about giving and management of money. We can't bypass that part of Scripture. It's in the Bible. So we must teach it and we must preach it. Uh, so ushers... Bolt the doors and don't let them out. We've got them where we want them. I'm going to preach the word today. Malachi chapter 3. 
Beginning at verse number 8, reading through verse number 12, I'll read from the New King James Version of the Bible. You may have a different version that reads differently, but here's what it says. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. God's talking here to the believers now, talking to Christian people. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with the curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. But bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That word storehouse there literally means temple or house of God. I'll get back to that in a moment. That there may be food in my house. Watch this. Everybody say, try me. Everybody say, test me. Pastor, you mean God? God's telling us to test him. The only place in Scripture that you'll ever hear God say to test him is with your finances. Oh, Lord, I'm going to preach today. I'm excited. You're probably not, but I'm excited enough for all of us. And test me now, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, this part makes me happy, and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Could you imagine getting to a place that God so blesses you, you've got to tell him, no more, I don't have any more room for your blessing in my life. Good, nobody wants that. I do. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Probably the most familiar passage of Scripture on tithing and giving and offerings. I want to take a few moments today as I continue this give up. Everybody say give up. When I talk about giving up, I'm talking about directing our finances heavenward. I'm talking about surrendering, giving our hearts up to God. I want to talk about this thought today, on this thought today, giving 101. And if you've ever been, if anybody's ever been to college, taken any college classes, you know 101 is the, it's the foundational, the elementary, it's the beginning. I took a lot of 101 classes when I was at Lee College, just the beginning. I'm going to give you some basic beginning principles today for giving. Father, bless the reading of your word. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you today to open the ears of people, the eyes of people, the hearts of people, and let the hearts of people and their spirits be right today, God, to receive what you want to tell us. I pray there'll be no distractions today. I pray that, God, the attention spans of every man and woman, boy and girl in this place will be captivated and arrested, not by what I say, but by the power of the preached Word of God. God, I believe you're going to do something in somebody's heart today because the truth sets us free. Let the truth free us today. In Jesus' name, we said amen. God bless you. Go ahead and sit down so I can jump into this quickly. Pastor Tony, thank you for your help today. There is an interesting story that surrounds the baptism of a man by the name of General Sam Houston. General Houston was a politician. He was a soldier, and he was a leader in helping the state of Texas get their independence. It was a struggle for their independence. The story says that General Houston was known as a tough man, as an alcoholic, heavy drinker. But in 1854, General Houston gave his heart to the Lord. 
and he decided to be baptized. As he was making his way into that small stream, the minister looked at General Houston and said to him, you might want to remove your wallet so that it doesn't get wet. To which General Houston replied to him, Pastor, my wallet needs to be baptized too. And while that's a humorous and a cute little story, the truth of the matter is there are so many people that have yet to fully surrender their finances, their pocketbooks, and their wallets to God. It is my opinion this morning that one of the greatest privileges we have as Christian people is the giving of our finances to God. And giving our hearts to Christ and going all in with God involves every single part of our lives, including our money. Now I want to say it again. I believe one of the greatest privileges we have as Christian people is the giving and the returning of our finances to God. And one of the greatest myths that are out there about managing money and giving is that we really give anything to God. We don't give anything to God. You know why? Because God owns it all. We just manage what God has already given to us. We simply steward what already belongs to Him. And there is only one place in Scripture where God tells us and challenges us to test Him. And that is in our finances. As a matter of fact, money is a test from God. Money is a test to see what is in our hearts. And I'm going to tell you that money will reveal if you have a heart of greed or a heart of gratitude. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. And here's the truth. There may be some folks that leave here today. I mean, blown up like a bullfrog. Listen, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you what the word says. You show me a man's checkbook. You show me his checkbook register, and I can tell you exactly where the priorities of his life lay. You show me a man's checkbook, you show me his finances, and I'll show you where his heart is. Listen, God has blessed us, a lot of us, with jobs, with finances, with money. And to think that we give God anything or that we own anything is ludicrous. Everything belongs to the Lord. That car you drive, it may have your name on the title, but it belongs to God. That check your boss hands you every week, it may have paid to the order of your name, but it belongs to God. That wonderful wife God gave you, men, you may think, you know what, that's my wife. Listen, she belongs to God. Ladies, your fine-looking, handsome husband, Prince Charming, that swept you off your feet. You may think, he's mine, but really, listen, he belongs to God. Those kids that God blessed you with, 
You may say they are my children, but really when you dedicated them back to the Lord, you were saying to God, they're not mine to begin with, they belong to you. Here's the point. Everything belongs to Him. And I want to take just a few minutes today, and I want to give you some very simple principles, elementary now, as it relates to giving. First of all, let me talk to you about the basis of giving. The foundation of giving. When we talk about the basis of giving, let me tell you two things. First of all, there's something called a world view. And there's something called a word view. A world view is the framework by which we view reality and make sense of, the li- of life and the world. A world view is simply what we believe about how things operate in the world. Let me give you for example. In in the world of a two-year-old, in his worldview, he is the center of the universe. Anybody raised any kids can say amen to that. In 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 the eyes of a secular humanist, in his worldview, this material world is all that will ever exist. In the eyes of a Buddhist, in their worldview, they believe they can be liberated from suffering through self-purification. It's a worldview. It's what people believe about what's happening and what goes on in the world and in their lives. And if you view money through the lens of a worldview, you will be deceived and misguided. Because the world is going to teach you to hang on to everything that you have. The world is going to tell you to live life with closed and clenched fists. The world is going to teach you to get all you can and to can all you get. The world is going to tell you to look out for number one. The world is going to tell you to do everything you can do to get to the top. And it doesn't matter who you step on on your way. That's a world view. But let me give you something called a word view. Not my word, not Wall Street's word, and not just some preacher's word. Let me tell you what the word says. The truth of the word of God says about giving. People that have a word view, it is based upon the truth of God's word. People that have a word view, They believe that the scripture is entirely true and they allow it to be the foundation of every single thing that they say and that they do. So listen, if you're going to handle money and you're going to manage money, you're going to give, you need to give based not on what the world says, but what the word says. So what does the word say about giving and money and finances? The writer of Proverbs, uh, Solomon, chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, he said, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your fields will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. Your 
containers will overflow with new wine. He would go on and write in Proverbs 11 and 25 that the generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. Jesus said in Luke 12 and 15, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And then Paul would write to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. But this I say, then Paul said, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each man give as he purposes in his heart, not grudging or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. The word teaches us to let go of what we have. The word teaches us to sow seed. The word teaches us to release what is in our hands so that God can release what is in his hand. And if you want to handle your money and manage your money and live by what the world says, then help yourself. I decided a long time ago as a 15-year-old boy holding my first job at a place called Chick-fil-A in Tanglewood Mall in Roanoke, Virginia. I decided at the age of 15 and almost 25 years later I am still tithing on a regular and consistent basis. I'm still giving offerings on a regular and consistent basis. I'm still sowing seed when I find a need on a regular and consistent basis. Am I a millionaire in the world's eyes? No. Am I wealthy and rich in the world's eyes? No. But I'll tell you for the last 25 years Dean Turpin, I've been laying up for myself treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy thieves cannot break in and steal and listen I may not be in the fortune 500 I may not be listed as one of the wealthiest men in the world Donald Trump has more than all of us put together but I'm telling you I'm not living for what I have down here I've been laying up for myself treasure I am wealthy I am rich way beyond what the world says why because I chose a long time ago to live my life and handle my money based on on what the word of the Lord says I'm telling you you can't beat it you won't find a better formula anywhere than the word of the Lord if you're glad about that come on and praise him today you know I walked into a, a convenience store yesterday I was wanting to, trying to get my car washed down where we live and I had the dollar bills and sticking them in the machine and you know how the machine just keeps spitting it back out because it's not just right well, I'm trying to, because i tell you why, I had a couple that, dollars that my son had left in his pockets. They had been washed and dry. They were nice and clean. You know, you got to kind of stretch those and fold them out. So I'm trying to stretch it and pull it, and one of them rips. I didn't even tell you this. That's what took me so long the other day, yesterday. And yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, if I put it, it just kept spitting it out. So I've got four bucks already in the machine. Well, I've got to add another dollar. So I've got to leave and go to this convenience store, thankfully right there on the corner, and get changed for a 10. I'm praying, God, please don't let anybody drive up before I get back. Because <laughs> I've already put four bucks in. They'll get a free car wash. I mean, they'll put a dollar in and get a free car wash. I said, Lord, please, you see how generous I am. Please don't let anybody get there before I get back. So I walk in this convenience store, and I'm telling you, there's people all over the place. They're picking their numbers for the lottery. I mean, it's the whatever, the pick six, the Powerball, and they're buying stuff, and they're scratching stuff off, and they're writing stuff down. And of course, I'm in the mindset of preaching this, and I want to just to stop and say, hey, listen up. You're wasting your time. 
You're throwing money away. There's a small chance that you might get rich off this or you might get some kind of abundant financial increase off it. But let me, I want to say, let me tell you a surefire way to invest your money that you can't lose. I wanted to break it down right there and start preaching about stewardship and giving and generosity and tithing. I got in my car and I shook my head and I said, Lord, I'm so glad that a long time ago I tapped into a way that is a guaranteed financial success in my life. It is called honoring God first and putting God first. And I'm telling you, Jesus said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. Don't chase after money. Don't chase after wealth. Don't chase after some get-rich-quick scheme. But I'm telling you, honor the Lord. And when you honor God's word, God will honor his word. And God will, without a doubt, bless you in ways that you cannot even begin to imagine. If you believe that today, come on, help me preach and give the Lord praise. Now, whoo, I'm feeling good today. That was a hand-me-down, so it don't matter. My dad gave it to me. Now listen, that's the basis. I'm giving. Let me talk to you about the basics. Everybody say the basics. The basic elementary principle of giving is something called tithing. Everybody sit up straight now. This is probably where I'm going to get some. This is, listen, this is the point in the message. The women are okay. It's the men that get a little bit nervous right here. You start talking about tithing, and a tithe literally means a tenth, and they hear some preacher talking about returning 10% of their income to God, and they're thinking, he's a greedy, slick-haired preacher, wants my money. I don't know why I'm here today, and how dare he do that. Go ahead, so go ahead and get all those thoughts out of your mind now. Let me show you, give, me, give you some revelation. The on-ramp to generosity, the on-ramp to giving, the genesis of true biblical stewardship is tithing. And tithing literally means a tenth. Everybody sit up straight and listen. I'm going to give you, I'm going to unveil some stuff for you. The tithe belongs to the Lord. Now when I say that tithing is the on-ramp to giving, tithing in and of itself is not giving. Tithing is returning. You cannot give something that does not belong to you. Watch. Leviticus 27 and 30, God said, and all, all, everybody say all. I'm having a lot of fun right now watching your faces. And all the tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Let me give you a for example. I brought some, uh, I brought some money with me. Actually, I forgot to get some change this morning so I could use it as an illustration. So James Hanks fixed me up. I might give it back to him when we're done. So Brother Turpin, if I came up to you and you said, Pastor, I need you to loan me $10. Well, 
And I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you borrow $10. And I give you $10 and you take it, okay? I know you, you would. You're not going to give that back to me later on because it wasn't yours to begin with. If you borrow it, you're going to return it. If I give you the keys to my car, Aunt B, I let you take my car and go do what you need to do, and you come back saying, Pastor, I'm going to give you your keys back. How are you going to give me back something that's not yours to begin with? You're going to do what with them? You're going to return them to me. See, tithing is not giving. Tithing's returning. Because what does the Bible say? The tithe belongs to who? It belongs to the Lord. And it would blow your mind to know that we are the most prosperous nation in the world. Yet 3% of households in this country tithe. The most blessed nation in the world. Somebody say three. Three percent. You know why the church for so long has had to do, over down through the years had to do fundraisers and chicken dinners and all that stuff. You know why they had to do that? Because people wouldn't tithe like they were supposed to. I got that moonwalking anointing on me today. I'm about to just do the glide right here. Watch. In 1968, Americans gave 3.1 percent of their disposable income, which means after taxes. 1968. Now. That number is down now to our present time to 2.2%. Do you realize that presently that this country gives less than what they gave during the Great Depression? And while we're the most prosperous nation in the world financially, I wonder if our greed... And our selfishness has something to do with the spiritual curse we live under. Because you do understand your seed is connected to everything. Now here's, what, here's the argument people will give you. Are you having fun yet? I'm having a blast. Here's the argument. Pastor, we don't have to tithe because it's an Old Testament law. We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. We're under the new covenant. Really? Let me tell you as nicely and humbly as I can, you are dead wrong. Because the tithe was established 400 years prior to the law ever coming into existence. Read your Bible. In Genesis 14... 400 years before the law ever came into existence, Abraham paid a tithe to a priest called Melchizedek who was a type and a shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tithing was right before the law. Tithing was right during the law. And tithing will be right and is always right after the law. Now, I read to you Malachi chapter 3. That's the tithing scripture. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. And all the way through that whole, whole, whole chapter, that, those, those verses I read, tithes, offerings. But nobody ever reads the sixth verse. And Malachi 3 and 6 says this, I am the Lord and I do not change. We just read 8 through 12. Here's my question. When did the Lord change? When did God change? 
He didn't. What does Hebrews say? He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if tithing was right before the law, and tithing was right during the law, and tithing was right after the law, God never changed. Tithing is an unchanging principle established by an unchanging God. Well, pastor, okay, we hear that, but we'd like to have a New Testament scripture. Good, I'm glad you asked for one. Because in Matthew 23 and 23, I don't have it on the screen, but you can remember this. Matthew 23 and 23. Jesus said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. For you are careful to tithe. Whoa, wait, wait. Jesus in the New Testament said, tithe? I'm about to preach myself happy, Brother Kenny Hancock. Now, let me, let me preface this here. Pastor, why you preach this? you need our money? Nope. You take up an offer at the end of service? Nope. Is our church going under financially? Nope. Considering what we've been through, we're sitting pretty good. So there's no hidden motive here. So that, 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 some of you just lost your excuse there not to listen to what I've got to say right here. I thought he was going to try to be underhanded and slick. Nope. Well, Pastor, you, you must want to pay raise. We need more time. I'm paid based on membership. Here we go. You ready? Jesus said, you, you're careful to tithe on the tiniest income from your herb gardens. He said, but you've neglected things like mercy and faith and love. Watch. He said, these you ought to have done without leaving the other things undone. The New Living Translation in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said this, You should tithe. I don't know how much clearer you can get than that. Let me ask you a question. And I just want to tell you, by the way, we're riding to church this morning. And of course, my kids, I've been talking about what I'm preaching. And they said, oh, we can't wait to hear the message today. I said, really? Yeah, we want to see how everybody responds when you start talking about that tithe and money. Let me ask you a question. Now, Malachi, we understand that, that the law already existed in the book of Malachi, the Old Covenant. And Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. Which means that everything you see in the law, Jesus is a type and a shadow and has already fulfilled all the requirements of the law. But he said in Matthew 23, 23, you should die. Let me ask you this question. If something was right under the law, is it wrong under grace? Asking, if it was right under the law, is it wrong under grace? Because we're under grace, right? If tithing was right under the law, is it wrong under grace? Let me flip it around. If it was wrong under the law, is it right under grace? Watch this. Adultery was wrong under the law, wasn't it? Is it right under grace? Murder was wrong under the law, wasn't it? Is it right under grace? Stealing, thievery. It was wrong under the law. Is it right under grace? No. So there goes all of the theologians who say it's Old Testament, it's under the law, we don't have to. Listen, it was right before the law, it was right during the law, and tithing is right after the law. And just because it was 
right under grace, right under the law doesn't mean it's wrong under grace. And if it was wrong under the law, it's still wrong under grace. Listen, tithing, and I promise I'm almost done. I'll, I'll be done before 12 o'clock. Help me, Lord, because I know what I have left. Tithing is a matter of first and faith. Listen, when you honor God with the tithe and you return your tithe, because it doesn't belong to you, right? You're saying to God, we're putting you first in our finances. You remember the story of Cain and Abel? Anybody remember the story of Cain and Abel? Somebody nudge somebody beside to tell them wake up a little bit. Cain brought a gift to the Lord, didn't he? The Bible says, Brother Stout, he brought some, he brought some fruit from the ground. Is that what it said? But it says Abel brought the firstborn. Everybody say first. And here's the problem. For so long, so many of us have been, we've been, we have not been educated about this in Scripture. Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. And what offering did God accept? He accepted Abel's. You know why? Because it was first. I told you last Sunday night, if you weren't here, I'm going to tell you again. When, when the Israelites got ready to go in and take the promised land called Canaan. Remember that? God was, they'd been 400 years in slavery. And God used Moses to bring them out. Then Moses passed the torch to Joshua. And they're getting ready to go in and take that promised land. You know how many cities they had to conquer in order to possess the promised land? You know what the first city was? Jericho. You know what city God said? All the silver and the gold belongs to me. It's devoted to me. It's holy to me. I want everything from that city. It was the first city. You can't argue with that. The other nine cities, God said, you can have everything here, but the first city, the first city of Jericho, the silver, the gold, it belongs to me. Bring it. And he said, put it in the treasury. The first city. How many cities were there? Ten. Listen, when you honor God with the tithe, you demonstrate your faith that God is going to take care of you. Now listen to me, tithing is about first things. You can give 10% and still not be tithing. one dollar bills. Which one's the tithe? The one to the left or one to the right? It's the first one. It's not tithing. I wish you could see some of your faces. <laughs> it's not tithing if you sit down and you pay the mortgage, the car payment, and the electric bill, and the water bill, and say, oh, I've got some left. I think I'll give God his, what is his. That's not tithing. It's absolutely, positively not tithing. Now, I'm not telling you that you've got to be so religious and so OCD that 
you know, if you slip up and go get a, a, a you know, a pay, at, at payday, you go get a, a Coke. Oh, oh, I didn't do it first. God's going to curse me. I, you don't have to be like that. So st- stringent. But I'm going to tell you what. I get my check every Thursday here at my desk before I do anything else. All my bills auto pay anyways. I write two checks. One's to the water company because I can't do it any other way. And one is to this church. And it is the first check I write every single week. Even before I transfer my money over to my tax account so I can pay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Before I transfer a little bit over into a savings account because I believe we ought to be good stewards if we can. The first check I write is to the Lord, the tithe. So some of you, you've been giving 10%, but you haven't been tithing because you've been putting God on the back burner and you've been paying him 8th or ninth or 10th. That's not tithing. Which one's the tithe? It's the first one. Thank you, sir. Oh, Gina took that. Now listen, I'm getting ready to close. Pastor Tony, come help me, please. Everybody look right here. Look right here at me. Don't miss this. When you refuse to tithe, you are in direct disobedience to the Word of God. And when you refuse to tithe, Scripture equates you with a robber and a thief. Let me ask this question. How many of you would walk out of here today and go down to a convenience store, pull a gun out, hold the clerk at gunpoint, and demand all the money out of her cash register? How many of you would do that? None of you would. Would you? You know why you wouldn't do that? Because it's robbery. It's being a thief. Everybody look right here. It's being a thief. Now let me, let me say this to you. If you would not walk out of this church and do that, why in the world would you not return to God what belongs to Him? You know what happens on Sunday? We have a lot of people that are sitting on stolen goods in here. You're holding on to stuff that does not belong to you. Listen, I love you this morning. I don't want you to mistake your business. I'm not angry at anybody. I haven't memorized the, 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 the list of contributions and who pays what. I don't have a, you know, Pastor, you must, you must have some people in mind and you're, gonna, you're trying to single us out. I'm not. But if, listen, when you don't tithe, you're a thief. And is, is stealing wrong? Does stealing transgress the word of God? Is stealing a sin? Now I'm going to give you something heavy right here. I believe when you fail to tithe, you live in disobedience to God's word and it's open sin, it's rebellion. I mean, that's heavy. That, 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 I feel I, it's heavy to me to say that. And let me help you now, okay? Where did, where did God say the tithe belonged? Bring it to what? The storehouse. The word storehouse in the Hebrew literally means the temple. Your tithe does not go to TBN. Your tithe does not go to a benevolent program in the community. We had people at Rocky Mountain, Pastor Tony. They would tell me, I'm just going to pay my tithe to the food bank. I said, that goes against Scripture. 
Well, they're doing a good work, Pastor. And that's where I want to put it. Well, that's fine. But the word of the Lord says it belongs in the storehouse, the temple, the house of God. Now, if you listen, so Pastor, where do I get where do I return my tithe? Wherever you're getting fed. Wherever you're getting spiritual food from, wherever you're, whatever covering you're under, that's where the tithe belongs. And if you're not under a covering, you need to get under a covering. So, Pastor, you're saying I can't be blessed if I give my tithe somewhere else? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what the Bible says. It belongs in the storehouse. Well, why do we tie it to the storehouse? So there'll be meat in my house so we can do ministry and help people and reach out and invest in people and pay staff pastors and keep lights on. And sow into this community. Bless people. I mean, when Bruce Deal was here, listen, we didn't give our tithe to Bruce Deal. But we took up an offering that day and $10,000 came in. We wrote a check for $10,000 somewhere around there to the city of refuge. We're a generous, benevolent church. But if you want to give to special projects, that's where you give your offering, not your tithe. And I had people rocking out. You said, well, I'm, I'm, I send my tithe to TVN. I send my tithe to Daystar. And I, I don't know if I said this, but I wanted to say, well, next time you're sick, why don't you call TVN or Daystar? I'm not saying, well, Pastor, so we pay you to visit? No. But why would you send your tithe over there or anywhere else that belongs to the storehouse where you're getting fed, where you're fighting fellowship and community? I'm telling you, we got, we got robbers that sit in here on Sunday mornings. Some of you, you're, you're, you're thieves. You're crooks. You're stealing from God. Why would you want to do that and curse your life? My inbox allow it to be full in the morning when I get to the office. Fill it up. I love you. Fill it up. Listen. Stand with me. Would you stand? And if you don't have to leave, hold tight. We're going to do something a little different this morning. I said I'd be done before 12. I'm done preaching. Now I'm just talking. 